0: Welcome to Transforming Energy, the NREL podcast, brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy's National Renewable Energy Laboratory. We're highlighting the latest in clean energy research happening at the lab. I'm Taylor Mankel. And I'm Karen Jerriman. Taylor, I think we should take a little trip for today's episode. Ooh, a field trip. I want to guess where we're going. Are we taking any planes, trains, or automobiles? Maybe all of the above. Who knows? But great pop culture reference. You know, I love that. And I'm going to throw in another reference to one of my favorite quotes in a movie. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Uh, So we're taking the DeLorean. Aha! Got it. I knew you wouldn't miss that Back to the Future reference. But we are traveling back in time today to the 1970s and the birth of NREL.
1: Ah, good thing I packed snacks and some bell bottoms. Let's hit it.
0: Welcome to 1977, the year that gave birth to Star Wars, Apple Computers, and the Solar Energy Research Institute, or
1: SARI. Opened July 5th of 1977 in Golden, Colorado, SARI was the first federal facility dedicated to developing solar power. It launched under director Paul Rappaport, a Princeton-based photovoltaic researcher.
0: And it opened right across the street from NREL's current South Table Mountain campus, in the Denver West Office Park, it's located about a 20-minute shot west of downtown Denver. Yeah,
1: shout out to our Building 16 and Raelians. Hey-o. I think to understand why Sari opened and what that has to do with Enro, we may need to turn the dial back on this time machine even a little further to 1973.
0: Mm, good thinking to the year of the U.S. energy crisis.
1: So it's 1973, the Arab-Israeli war is happening, and the United States decides to provide aid to Israel. In retaliation, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries raises the price of oil to more than $5 per barrel. Later in the year, Saudi Arabia cuts off oil exports to the United States completely, sparking a full-blown energy crisis.
0: And this oil embargo results in a nationwide gas shortage. Cars are spending hours waiting in long lines at gas stations, And stations are putting limits on how many gallons could be purchased per car. It's chaos. NREL research fellow Bob Thresher recalls his
2: experience. I sat in a gas line for five or six hours, uh, as many other people did. But at that point, sitting in a gas line, I I really had sort of an anger that probably isn't quite subdued even today. I just didn't see any reason why we should be dependent on other people. It seemed like we should be able to generate our own energy one way or another. That was kind of a catalyst. I vowed that first opportunity I got, I was going to try and work to do something about that. It was the oil embargo that inspired a lot of people to take a look at some things that were maybe a little different.
1: By October of 1974, President Gerald Ford establishes the Energy Research and Development Administration and signs the Solar Energy Research Development and Demonstration Act. This act launches the formation of SERI and marks the first time the country would tackle energy issues through a center of innovation to create and market renewable energy technologies instead of just through policy.
0: So jumping back to 1977 and Jimmy Carter's presidency, we already know that SARI opens in July, and by August, President Carter forms the U.S. Department of Energy.
2: Well, the big thing that happened under Jimmy Carter was that they created the Department of Energy. And so under that, all of this got consolidated. And the Atomic Energy Commission, those labs were part of DOE, and so Sandia, Argonne, PNNL, all the different, Oak Ridge, all the different labs were part of the OE, and different ones contributed parts to the the development of the program. And this replaces
1: the Energy Research and Development Administration.
0: Yep, and meanwhile, SARI begins taking on wind research and development, expanding beyond its solar roots and setting the stage for its future as a national laboratory.
1: The following years at Sari include a visit from President Carter, the new May 3rd holiday of Sunday commemorating the dawn of a new solar age, and efforts to develop solar voltaic systems, wind turbines, a biomass converter, and a model of a solar power plant.
0: It wasn't easy. Even while the Iranian Revolution of 1979 further destabilized the Middle East, The Three Mile Island disaster cast a pall on nuclear energy, and the beginnings of a new oil panic sent prices from $13 to $34 per Mm. barrel. Domestic drilling in Alaska and a new administration in Washington brought the focus back to non-renewables.
1: And in 1980, Sari lost its director. Rappaport passed away on April 21st, the eve of Earth Day.
0: It's interesting you mention Earth Day because Rappaport's successor was actually the co-founder of Earth Day, Dennis Hayes. Mm, No kidding.
1: The 80s proved to be a turbulent decade as the laboratory faced funding cuts and uncertainty, as well as several more lab directors. But motivated by the Institute's mission for renewables, SARI's
0: researchers and staff pushed forward. Okay, so let's jump to September 16th, 1991. Now that was a good day. Uh, Do do know exactly what you were doing. I wish I could remember what I was doing that day. (laughs) I can't tell you. But I do know that this, on this day, September 16th, 1991, President George H.W. Bush elevates SARI to national lab status. That's a good day right Mm -hmm. there, renaming it to the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, or as we lovingly call it today, NREL. What an
1: origin story. Of course, really, that's where NREL's story is just beginning. But let's save what happens next for another episode.
0: I think you're right. Let's get the DeLorean back to 2023 before the flux capacitor runs out of fuel and we run out of snacks.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Transforming Energy, the Enroll podcast. I'm Taylor Mangle.
0: And I'm Karen Jerriman. We'll be back in two weeks with more news from NREL.
1: This episode was adapted from the National Renewable Energy Laboratory History Project by Kim Adams. Our theme music is written and performed by Ted Vaca and episode music by Chuck Kernick, Jim Riley, and Mark Sanseverino of Drip, B.C. This podcast is produced by NREL's communications office and recorded at the National Renewable Energy Laboratory in Colorado. We express our gratitude and acknowledgement that the land we are on is the traditional and ancestral homelands of the Arapaho, Cheyenne, and Ute peoples. We recognize and pay respect to the indigenous peoples of our past, present, and future, and are grateful to those who have and continue to be stewards of this land.